0: Hi all, I'm Olivia Ross, the Extension Manager from Beef Lamb New Zealand, and I'm here today to record a break podcast with Hannah Miller, a lady butcher. Hannah was recently involved in our virtual ladies muster, and we've got Hannah back to just have a wee talk about some of the discussions that were had on the muster, but also to give you guys more of an insight into the world of butchery and dealing with New Zealand meat products. So welcome, Hannah. Hey, how are you going? Good, it's great to have you here. So let's just um, start the conversation with where would we find you in New Zealand and a little bit of your background?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm located in the Big Smoke up in Auckland and um, my background is, you can tell from my accent, I'm uh, American born, uh, originally from west coast of the States uh, and just got the travel bug early on. um, And so straight out of uni, started traveling around the world. Uh, originally as a chef and picking up butchery along the way and then found myself in New Zealand uh, six years ago and I came for six months and I, I'm still still here so I love it <laughs> it's a great great place to be. Oh
0: we're grateful to be able to have you as part of our country and outside the butchery where would we fi- what would we find you doing Hannah? <laughs> um,
1: my, my husband uh, owns a brewing company so we're often you know out and about trying new beers checking out new restaurants Um, but also I love, you know, on a a sunny day going for, going for a walk or, um, you know, even a hike is trying to kind of balance the two things of eating and and exercising.
0: (laughs) That balanced diet, huh? (laughs)
1: Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. So did you meet your husband in New Zealand? I did. Yeah. He's a Kiwi. He's originally from Wellington.
0: Yeah. So that's why you stayed. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that, and you know, it's a beautiful place. It is. Oh no, that's awesome. So You're a lady butcher and it's pretty self-explanatory and what you do for a living and passion from the title, but do you want to tell us a little bit more about your journey behind it and what made you become a butcher?
1: Yeah, definitely. Like I never, um, I never planned to become a butcher when I started off, uh, my career. I thought I'd be a chef forever and excuse me. And, um, anyway, but I am really passionate about, um, the concept of nose to tail of, of using, Uh, If you're going to take the life of an animal to making sure you use the whole thing. And so that was a pretty natural progression into needing to learn to do butchery. Um, A lot of chefs don't know how to butcher. um, And so there's a lot of cuts that they don't even know about um, because they're not kind of in the media or in in the main attention. Um, And so I was working in the UK in London uh, and working at a restaurant that specialized in nose to tail cuisine. Uh, And so butchery was part of our daily tasks. Uh, And so it's there I started to learn butchery and um, loved it and was like, oh, this is actually, I I quite preferred it to chefing. Um, And so I started making the transition. Um, And then a lady butcher came out of, I was working in Australia um, and for these two amazing women and they found out that I could butcher and they immediately started ordering in, you know, pigs and, Ducks and just all, all anything they could order basically um lambs and uh for me to butcher, and they started posting on Instagram about it to kind of get people involved in the story of the animals um, and they started calling me the lady butcher and um from there it, it just kind of just kind of stuck, uh, so when it came time to name my company, it seemed like a no brainer um to to call it a lady butcher so yeah.
0: What a cool story. And how do you compare it to, so you started in the chef world and Mm. you've become that butcher. So, and you've stayed obviously on the butchery side. And what do you like, like made that change? You've made that change from a chef to a butcher. What was the main reason for you maybe making that change and staying with the butchery?
1: Yeah. The thing is, I love the, um, I love the background of it, you know, so it's, uh, I love cooking. I still, I still love cooking, but, um, so much of cooking, what you can do with a product is based on how it was butchered. Um, and so I kind of, I love taking that step back, um, and being able to be like, Ooh, I want to cook this. Okay, cool. If I butcher it that way, it's going to come out better as an end product. Um, and that's really, really interesting to me. Um, also the, um uh, well, straight up the hours are better. Like, so the butcher, you kind of work, you know, six to two or six to three, um, compared to chefs where you're working nights. Uh, And the number one thing is that I find it um, quite zen. Uh, The style of butchery I do is seam cut butchery. Um, So I don't use a bandsaw. I'm not using any loud mechanical equipment. Um, We are doing everything by hand. So it's basically just you and a knife, um, you know, using gravity to help you with some of the bigger cuts. Um, and, and I really like that. I really like, I, I work in a quiet butchery. We don't play music or, uh, once in a while I listen to a podcast, um, or if it's a long day, we will turn on music towards the end, but for at least the first four hours of the day, guaranteed we work in silence. Um, and it's just a time to reflect on, you know, the fact that this was a living creature, um, and we've taken its life to feed people, um, and just, and just to kind of be appreciative of that and, um, and fully take that in. So that's what really kept me in butchery. Oh,
0: awesome. So is that what makes the lady butcher unique other than the fact that it's led by a lady?
1: Yeah, definitely. I'd say, you know, seam cutting is, uh, especially in, you know, in Australasia, is really unique. Um, there's not many people that do it. Um, also really just taking that time to, you know, to get to know our farmers. So we, we actually know um, all of the farmers that we work with and we work with them directly. Um, we're really involved in the process, you know, from all the way from the animal being raised to which abattoir it's going to, you know, through when it comes to us. And then back circle is, you know, using our social media channels to promote the farms that we work with, um, and making kind of completing that whole circle. Um, and that's, I think is something that's really unique um, about a lady butcher is that, um, you know being open, um, and transparent about where everything is coming from, um, as well as just being uh, open about how we are thankful for the animals, um, and how we are just kind of understanding, um, you know, it's not just a hunk of meat. It's not just something you get from a supermarket. It's, um, you know, it's more than that. It's, it's the fact that it was cared for and it was raised. Um, and now, and now we're eating it and, and just taking that all into consideration. So,
0: yeah. Oh, so that's, that communication is so important, isn't it? And it's that traceability, yeah. that whole story that p- people really love. So when yeah. t- how long's the Lady Butcher been going now?
1: Uh so we're pretty much bang on four years, but I often say my first year was a hobby. because uh, like, it definitely was not a, a viable business. Um and then um and yeah, but we've been growing um pretty much yeah, year, so from our first from our second year to now um, we've doubled every year, so it's um, yeah, pretty pretty fast growing. I'm pretty happy with where it is now, and um, looking excited to like to you know keep growing in the future as we go along.
0: Oh, what an awesome story! And it's I'm sure you've got many things coming up, which we'll have a talk about soon, and where you're going. So you yeah. talk about that nose to tail. Have you mm. done much work with tongues, and can you provide any tips to the listeners? This is one of the questions that came up quite a bit in the muster.
1: Yeah, it's so interesting. So, um, I love awful, um, you know, all the insides, um, I like eating them. They're really good for you. There's a lot of, um, lot of, uh, nutrients in them that you can't get from, uh, from the muscles. And in the UK, we used them all the time. Um, in the UK, they're, they love eating them. Uh, in New Zealand, we've kind of fallen away from eating awful, um, as much. And a lot of that has to do with, uh, processing and, um, kind of how the abattoirs are run here and that kind of thing. But um, what I'm really excited to do is uh, to be able to get some of that awful again by working with a mobile abattoir. Um, and so it goes direct to me instead of having to go through a, a, a big processing abattoir. Um, and what we plan to do is just because the kiwi palate isn't, um, I mean, some people love liver and heart um, and maybe tongue, um, but you start talking about lungs or blood or uh, chittering, things like that can be a bit, scary. Um, so what we're planning to do is to incorporate quite a few of that those items into uh, terrines or pâtés um, or things that have other flavors to, um, to pair with it. So it's not quite so strong. Um, but also, you know, even things like, so like liver is fantastic with like onions and bacon, um, really nice. So you just want something that can kind of cut through a bit of extra fattiness um, to go with that. And things like tongue are similar. So um, I love tongue It's it 's one of my kind of my favorite bits of offal are probably uh, tongue heart um, and then the anglais, which is a um, kind of the muscle that keeps the lungs from flying around on the inside um, it 's also known as hanger um, but with a tongue, especially what I like to do is I like to brine it um, and I usually brine it for about a week and that kind of like how you do like a corned beef or um, something along those lines and then uh, and then i 'll poach it so uh, low and slow, or you can also braise it. You can even just pop it in the slow cooker. Uh, And then once it comes out of that, it's basically cooked, I usually do it overnight um, or for a minimum of four hours till it's really nice and tender. Uh, And then you peel off that outside skin uh, and then cool it. So you can just cool it how it is, or you could um, take, if you have a few tongues, you could press them all into into a mold, even like a bread pan, uh, and then till it's chilled uh, and then slice it and put that on sandwiches. And it's absolutely delicious. Again, it's so much like a corned beef, um, kind of like a luncheon meat, really traditional. Uh, my mom grew up eating it. Uh, and, and she's, she's always like, I never liked tongue, but it's quite good when it's like salty. So, uh, so yeah, there's quite a few things you can do with it that, um, really don't take that much effort. Just take a bit of prior planning really more than anything.
0: Oh, awesome. It sounds like you talked about the liver before, the lamb's fry yeah. on every good restaurant menu, isn't it?
1: Oh, yeah. Lamb's fry is amazing. Like, it's, yeah, I love like a, a mixed grill plate that kind of has a bit of everything, you know, that's the best.
0: Awesome. What do you find the most popular offer for New Zealanders? Like you said, we don't use a lot of it, but if they're yeah. one that we
1: request frequently, what would it be? Um... I probably, it's kind of hard, but I'd say it'd probably be a mix between, um, liver, kidneys and heart. Um, I kind of see them all interchangeably. Um, heart is like, I'd say on menus, heart's a really good one that can be integrated. Um, cause it is, it's so meaty, um, and it is almost like steak. Uh, and so as long as it's cleaned up, um, just like a heart, like on a high heat char grill, uh, with a bit of like a chimichurri sauce is absolutely delicious.
0: Oh, I'm I'm just getting hungry listening to you, Hannah. <laughs> <laughs> Same, actually, I'm getting. <laughs> so, other than the offal, so you're dealing with some really neat products there. What do you consider your favourite cut of meat, otherwise?
1: Man, otherwise, yeah, because angler is definitely my favourite, my favourite cut. Um, but otherwise, I'd say kind of going into you know versatility of cuts and that kind of thing with working with ones um so my favorite one to eat would definitely be anglais but my favorite one to kind of work with um for its versatility would be lake um and that would go for beef and lamb um a lot of times i find that uh in restaurants and that kind of thing you know you see lamb rump um all the time on a menu mm-hmm. and there's only two per animal as i think all of us know <laughs> uh and so i should hope so uh and um and so, you know, what are you going to do with the rest of the animal? And so I do a lot of work with chefs and, um, because of my chef background, I'm able to sort of, um, I call it translation, uh, between kind of farm farmers and, and chefs, um, and explain that. And what's really cool is I've gotten quite a few of them to, uh, to steam cut the leg, um, and break it into its own, you know, muscle groups like top side, silver side knuckle. Um, and a lot of those cuts are still beautiful and lean and, really tender if they're if they're all divided and seam cut and sinews taken out um and can be used interchangeably with land rump um and so that's like that's quite exciting to me to be able to you know and then you're looking at if you use both legs you're looking at now you've used a third of the animal um instead of just one cut so it's all about that um you know the pieces that are just so versatile is is what makes me really excited
0: uh, or, and do you consider that cut with the most it's also the cat with the most potential or is there another cut mm.
1: no I would say yeah I would say that the leg um yeah both in beef and lamb is the most potential I mean I explained it with lamb but like with beef you know out of the obviously it's a much bigger much bigger piece of the animal like weight wise um mm-hmm. but you can do so many different things you know from um, steaks and roasts to making biltong or jerky. Um, you know, we cure our brazola from the leg. Like there's just, there's so many options. And a lot of times it's kind of easy just to go, oh yeah, chuck it into mince for burgers. Um, and burgers are great. You can make great margin on burgers, but, um, there's so many other things that we can do that are just, um, it kind of gets seen as a secondary cut a lot of the time. Uh, and I, I don't say it that way at all. I say it as, as yeah, it's probably the most, the cut with the most potential.
0: And obviously with farmers, we have access to other meat sources, whether it's venison and duck and their wildlife around. Do you tend to use those meats as well?
1: Yeah, definitely. So um, at the moment, I don't use very much of it, um, but uh, we are working on, currently working on a couple projects to uh, start uh, incorporating venison. So like to do like a venison salami, um, and duck, I'm really not so much duck, I guess, but goose. Um, I'm really keen to, um, check out and try out a couple, uh, Canadian goose recipes. Mm -hmm. Uh, so with that, it's just sourcing, obviously everything we do has to be, you know, fully MPI approved and that kind of thing. So we just have to make sure that wherever we're sourcing our meat from, um, is processed in, um, by MPI, approved abattoirs and that kind of thing so sometimes um game can be a bit tricky um you know because it can't just be our hunter mates that went and got something we have to make sure we go through all the proper channels um, but hopefully we'll get that sorted soon and we can use it a lot more awesome yeah some hunting mates there might not be much left of that um, goose to be
0: able to use <laughs> <laughs> sometimes yeah that's true i know yeah. that's that's awesome so you also deal a lot with cured meats
1: and that as well, don't you? I do. Yeah, that's my, yeah my primary business is, is curing meats. Yeah. Yep.
0: And that's what, yeah, another unique part of your business. So what do you think New Zealand farmers could be doing to add more value to their products?
1: Yeah, so, you know, honestly, like as far as um, farming practices go, I think New Zealand is the best I've, the best in the world that I've found. Um, and it's absolutely amazing. Just just the quality of life for our animals is um, really inspiring. Um, but what I would say is, you know, jump on social media. Um, I know it's, it, it can seem daunting or like, you know, I've had some farmers tell me like, oh, people don't want to hear about my farm. and But they do. They really do. And if we all can work together to promote our farms and the individual farms and you know, being able to, you know, um, label the farms. And so what we, you know, what we do is we, every product we, we make, we label what farm it came from, like each individual farm. And our customers love that because then they can go, oh, that farm, even if they've never been to the area where the farm is or anything like that, they connect to it and they understand that that, you know, there was people involved in raising these animals that, you know, these animals had a life mm-hmm. that there's a whole animal to be used. Um, and it's just really important. And so I would say that would be the best way to add value. Um, and, and to really promote, um, promote your farms, promote your brands, um, is to, to jump on social media, Instagram, especially is, is the best one. Um, and post photos of live beef and lamb and your paddocks and, Talk about the stories about drought. Talk about hard times. Um, you know, talk about good times as well, of course, like lambing season and you know the cute little babies and all that kind of thing. Um, but it just really helps to get the general public more um, involved in understanding where their food comes from mm-hmm. and understanding the cost involved. Um, the more that we tell people about what we're doing, um, the more willing they are to to you know to hand over um, their, their dollars and, and get us those better price points. Um, so yeah, that's my, that's my number one advice.
0: (laughs) Awesome. It's all about that relationship, is it?
1: Yeah, it is. Yeah.
0: New Zealand, obviously known for being grass fed meat and Mm -hmm. New Zealand farming, how do you believe it compares to the rest of the world and what are your sort of your
1: main comparisons? Yeah. So I would say, you know, my main comparisons would be obviously growing up in the states. I, as a kid, you know, you kind of just think that, of course, um, animals eat grass. Um, and then you learn about things like feed lots and, um, and, and animals growing up in barns and, you know, and that kind of thing. And I just think we were so blessed here that, you know, our, our cows live outside the whole year. Um, and you know, maybe it might be, obviously there's some that are grain finished, um, and that kind of thing. But we have that option. You can, you can choose to have hundred percent grass fed or you can choose to have grain finished. Um, you know, they've all lived outside. Um, you know, the lambs are, are born outside and living outside They're you know, pretty much their whole life unless, you know, they need, they need assistance or that kind of thing. But it's, it's really amazing. Whereas like compare it to the States, you can't, you don't have those options. Um, you have to really the consumer would has to seek really hard um and spend a lot of money in order to try to find uh 100% grass fed beef whereas for us like for the consumers here we can just go to pack and save
0: um and get it
1: so i think uh we're really blessed uh by that and by the the farming practices that have been handed down um and the fact that you know our farmers aren't taking shortcuts or um doing kind of some of these mass production methods but are really keeping honest and true to, you know, the idea of pure New Zealand.
0: Yeah. I think it takes a look outside the back door sometimes to realize how grateful we are to live in this beautiful country. Mm. So, You've said that there's a wee bit happening in the background at the moment. Uh, You've got quite a bit happening in your business and you're actually currently sitting in your truck at the moment doing this podcast where it was the most quiet. So there's obviously a lot happening for you at the moment. And do you want to tell us a wee bit about where you're going with your business and where you hope to be in five years?
1: Yeah, totally. So we, yeah, so currently my husband and I are joining forces and opening a a brew pub um, in central Auckland on Dominion Road. And what we're gonna be doing here is, um, besides brewing uh, beer, what we're also gonna have a restaurant and bar uh, that features a menu where we're doing whole carcass butchery for the entire menu. Um, And so the menu will change every day based on which part of the animal we're using. And um, gonna be doing a lot of education with that um, to the public on on the different cuts and on the fact that you can't just get a steak every day at our restaurant, um, because there's only so many steaks on an animal. So, uh, really, really looking forward to that. Um, and then, yeah, within the next five years, I mean, hopefully we'd love, you know, for this business to be, to be taking off and, and looking at, um, expanding into taking, making smaller versions of it, um, to take around the country. So Christchurch is the first location we're looking at, um, to add a site and then potentially Wellington, um, and to really grow for Lady Butcher side of things, um, I'd really like within the next five years to grow our uh, butchery class program. So we offer currently offer um, butchery classes, charcuterie classes, um, specific classes based on on curing one cut. So like we did like a you know our we do a New Zealand wagyu brisola, uh, so we did a class where everyone got to learn how to make that. Um, so we would love to expand that into including sausage making. Um, even simple classes like how to butterfly a lamb leg, um, I, I found it astounding, astound, outsta- astound, astounding, astounding? Yeah. I'm like, what is, what's that word? Yeah. Um, you know, just, uh, surprising how many people don't know how to, how to butterfly a lamb legs. So, um, you know, simple things like that, where we, you know, we do some butchery, we all learn something. Um, you know, and then we kind of we can have some lunch afterwards or that kind of thing in the pub. So um really looking to to expand that uh side of the business and and just getting again, it's all about that relationship and connecting people uh to their food.
0: Wow, I feel like there's a trip to Auckland needing to be put onto my list of things <laughs> to do. And yeah, yeah I absolutely. might need to get it a bit further south than Christchurch. So uh from the, down to the bottom of the south,
1: maybe. I so, know. But, we have we've had some uh some people pulling us to Invercargill. so um, I wouldn't, you know, I'd never say never. Oh, you won't
0: need things on ice down there, so. <laughs> <laughs> so, you talk about your different products there and your whole carcass for as you expand and even for your Auckland branch at the moment. Do you go New Zealand wide, or you sort of just got a, a bubble around Auckland where you source your products at present? Or where do you get your you're getting them from local farmers? Um, how you go about selecting where you get those products from?
1: Yeah, we well, I've just been fortunate. Um, I just I kind of just annoy farmers until they until they'll sell direct to me. Um, but it's it's uh, it's been amazing. Like so, I kind of started out with I do a lot of pork products, um, and so I started off with finding um, free range pig farmers. Um, and I basically sent emails and went to farmer's markets and had phone calls and, um, you know, kind of like, but this is what I want. And, um, these are specs I want and that kind of thing. So sort of by building those relationships, I've, I've been able to, you know, visit farms and, um, you know, gain trust and that kind of thing and be able to buy direct. Um, and then with, uh, my cured products currently, so I source beef from uh, First Light Wagyu um, out of the Hawks Bay. And then uh, lamb I get from, <clears throat> from Invercargill. Uh, I use uh, Leland's lamb currently. So definitely, um, and then one of my pig farms is in Hohora um, up in Northland. So I literally, the whole length of the country, um, because of freight, obviously it, it's more cost-effective to, to use farms in the North Island. Um, but essentially it's, it's looking for those stories. It's looking for farmers that are keen to have their story shared, um, and keen to work with us and, um, you know, let me visit and, and kind of have chats and that kind of thing. So we're always looking for more farmers, uh, after the, actually after the muster, um, last weekend, I had a, a woman call me from Gisborne who's selling, who's raising, uh, Red Devon cattle. And so. Um, we're looking at expanding that relationship to potentially use uh, some of those cattle up here in our Auckland site. So we're always, yeah, always looking for uh, especially heritage breed um, mm. meat that we can get in. So yeah, but definitely, yeah, as long as it's New Zealand, we'll take it from anywhere.
0: <laughs> well, that's cool. It's uh, all about making those relationships and what, it's not what you know, it's who you know sometimes.
1: Yeah, so- definitely.
0: You've obviously got this huge passion and there's probably some people listening who have as well for the New Zealand meat products. How could someone listening who shared the same passion as you for meat products get involved in the butchery trade if they wanted to?
1: Yeah. So there's like, you know, there's um, sort of traditional channels, which would be doing a, to do an apprenticeship. Uh, And you know, but that it does, it takes a while. I think it's like a four or five year commitment Um, and that's, you know, a, a proper like sign off and all that kind of thing. But if you're looking for more of, um, to do home butchery or, uh, to do, um, set up a a small site, uh, so you can sell sort of your local community, that kind of thing. Um, there's great resources. I mean, you can do things like you can sign up, you can come to one of my classes. Um, I do online class stuff as well. Um, YouTube is actually a great resource as so many people, especially chefs that I know that are like, oh yeah, I butcher lamb by following YouTube videos. Um, So the the main thing that I would say is just, it's not as hard as you think, um, especially seam cutting. And a lot of people think that, oh, you need fancy machinery and that kind of thing. You really don't. You need a knife. um, And if potentially a hacksaw um, can make things a little bit easier, um, although it is totally capable totally able to do with just a knife. Um, but I would say start out with something small, like, a, you know, potentially like a lamb leg, um, start off with that. And as your confidence builds, start going to other cuts, uh, and work your way up to a whole beast. I, I, I wouldn't recommend starting with a whole cow. Uh, they're the most daunting. The first time I butchered a whole cow, um, and I was doing it alongside a master butcher and it took me eight hours. Uh, so so, yeah, I might not start with that, but, but uh, you know, at the end of the day, any anyone can butcher for sure. So it just, you know, start start with small, and work your way up, and um, you'll find you get there pretty easily, I think.
0: Awesome. And there's butchering, and then there's butchering. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, obviously, you said you could do a lot with knives, and just sort of as we start to finish up um, our talk here, Hannah, those household tips and getting the most out of our meat products. But before we go there, uh, knives. What are some great tips for keeping those knives sharp? And maybe the, your favorite knife.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, my favorite knives, um, I love Victory knives. Uh, one, they're New Zealand made. Uh, and two, they're extremely versatile and they keep an edge. So one thing I find is that if you go with like a, uh, like a Japanese knife, they'll be really sharp right when you sharpen them. But as soon as you start butchering with them, they dull quite c- quickly from hitting the bone. Um, so German knives um, or like German steel tend to be better for keeping an edge. Uh, so that's what I prefer. Uh, you also just want something that's gonna, it's gonna sit in your hand well. Um, so I recommend, you know, if you're going to a knife store, or you're looking to buy something like hold them uh, and see how it feels in your hand. If it's not comfortable, it's not going to work for you. So, so try a different, something with it, maybe potentially a different handle. Um, and then as far as keeping them sharp, uh, really important things are things like don't put them in the dishwasher. Don't just throw them in a drawer altogether. Um, things that are just, if it hits against anything else, it's going to dull really quickly. So like my knives, I keep in, um, a sheath, uh, like just a little plastic case that that keeps them from hitting anything else um, or I keep them on like a i have a um, magnet strip on my wall that I can like that they 'll they 'll cling to and keep keep nice that way um, and the other thing is you know just just sharpen them periodically my you know my mom 's the worst she she sharpens her knives once a year when she knows i 'm coming home <laughs> uh, and you know she she admits this um, but you know re- sharpening if you 're using them all the time. Give them a good sharpen once a month if you 're using it a bit less, maybe once every six months, but, but try not to try not to do it once a year um, and then, in between proper sharpening times, um, just use your steel uh, to hone it, and that will help keep that nice edge uh, fresh longer
0: awesome i 'm sure there 's a lot of people in that think uh, came through the mustard of a day uh, yeah don 't let the husbands take it out on the farm as well.
1: That, 100%, like, make sure you have separate farm knives from butchery or kitchen knives because, yeah, no, my husband's the worst. He uses, I caught him using mine to, like, cut plastic strapping um, mm-hmm. off boxes. And that's just, that's going to dull it straight away. So, yeah.
0: yeah. Oh, no, you've got an amazing story there, Hannah. It's been great having a catch-up with you. So, just to finish, uh, what are your sort of take-home messages in regards to those everyday tips and tricks and getting the most out of our new zealand meat
1: products yeah is just um be you know don't be don't be afraid to use to use the lesser cuts i think i actually honestly i think that farmers in new zealand are usually the best at this um because you you know you guys are raising your own meat and so you're you know processing a whole lamb for the family um and that kind of thing so um but yeah but definitely you know if you need smaller portions um so say you don't want to Roast a whole leg of lamb because maybe there's only two of you or three of you. Um, you know, break it down like just you know, take the bone out and break it into some smaller pieces. Um, and so you can make a few meals out of it. Um, I even like to do you know, to do my prep kind of on one of my slow days in the week, like maybe for me it's a Sunday, but whatever day it might be. Um, and you know, maybe you know, break down that leg of lamb again, break that leg of lamb, maybe one of the maybe the knuckle I cut into um, some steaks. And then I, you know, pack those away and then um, maybe the silver side I cut up into for stir fry and and that goes in a different container. Um, and then, you know, maybe the top side I'm going to I'm gonna roast that uh, and kind of just combining prep. Um, and that way you don't end up with, uh, for at least for us, where, you know, if we roast a whole lamb leg, there's only two of us, uh, we might not eat the whole thing. And then, you know, the, the end bit, by the time you get to the end, either you're tired of it or uh, it ends up going to the dog. So, uh, just trying to do that that prior prep to start with, um, I find really helps with uh, avoiding waste and and just kind of making the rest of the week pretty easy for cooking oh,
0: that 's awesome, Hannah. Thank you very much on behalf of the Beef and Lamb team for being part of our muster and for taking time today to find a quiet spot and do this recording for us. Like Hannah, we and the other ladies that were used uh, around the musters, where there will be other podcasts appearing. So keep a look out on the podcast channel for those. But thank you so much, Hannah, and we wish you all the best with your business and we um, look forward to seeing what comes out of it. Awesome. Thanks for having me.